All right, well, we're there in Isaiah chapter uh, 49, and uh, I'll be honest with you, this chapter and these types of chapters are the chapters that I uh, dislike to preach the most, and, and here's why. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Um, there's so much information in these 26 verses uh, that it's difficult to kind of write a sermon uh, to be able to cover it in a concise way. Uh, I'm going to give you an outline tonight, and if you like to take notes or if you have the ability to take notes, I would encourage you to take notes because I'm going to give you a lot of information. For you guys who preach at the men's preaching nights and stuff, you've heard me say before uh, that you should avoid what I call sermons that are information overload. Sometimes when we preach, we give out so much information, we look at so many verses that it's not even worth preaching because by the time people walk out the door, they've already forgotten what you've said. I try to keep it clear and simple and concise. Tonight is a perfect example of what I'm talking about when I'm telling you not to preach an information overload sermon, all right? I'm going to break my own rule, but here's, here's the reason why. There's so much information in this chapter, I don't want to skip any of it, but I also don't want to spend another week in a chapter of Isaiah, okay? We're trying to get through the book of Isaiah. We've made it to chapter 49. You know, the end is in sight. So I'm just going to try to give you an outline to give you as much information as we can. Might not even get through all of it. Uh, But number one, for those of you that like to take notes, also I want you to understand, we're not going to look at the chapter uh, in in order. We're not going to go verse one, verse two, verse three, like we normally do at an evening service. I'm going to give you just different things that this chapter is talking about. We'll look at those and then we'll move on to different subject and look as though. So number one, if you'd like to take notes, in this chapter we see a lesson about salvation. We see a lesson about salvation. First thing we see is the Messiah. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken ye my people from far. Now notice what it says. The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. And I want you to notice that in this chapter, we are getting prophecy of the coming Messiah, the one who will bring us salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now keep your finger there in Isaiah 49 and go with me to the book of Luke. In the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke chapter number 1, and look at verse number 31. We're going to look at a lot of passages tonight, so try to keep up. If you're not able to, just write down the references. You can look at them later. Hopefully, I'll give you a lot of info, but hopefully there'll be something that you can catch on to so that you don't forget the sermon You know, by the time you walk out to your car. That's my fear. I, I don't want people to come to Verity Baptist Church and forget the sermon. You know, Hopefully, this morning when you're in the service, you got the point. You know, The point is integrity equals influence. Hopefully, you didn't forget that already. But here in Isaiah 49, if you look at, uh, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 1 and verse 31, Isaiah 49, 1 says, The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother, hath he made mention of my name. And I want you to notice that the Lord Jesus Christ was called from the womb. If you look at uh, Luke chapter 1 and verse number 31, the Bible says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. All right. So we see that Jesus was called and named from the womb. Look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. So just flip one page over to Luke chapter 2 and verse number 21. Notice what the Bible says. 
And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcision of the child, so now he's born, his name was called Jesus, which uh, was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So the Bible tells us that Jesus was one of those children, and there's other ones in Scripture, but Jesus was one of those children who was actually named before he was conceived, and, and that's what Isaiah 49.1 is talking about. Now, if you're in Luke uh, chapter 2, keep your, uh, a bulletin or a ribbon or something uh, a bookmark in Luke chapter 2 because we're going to leave it, but we're going to come back to it and go back to Isaiah 49. So the first thing is we see that Jesus as the Messiah was called from the womb. Isaiah 49, 1, the Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. And we saw that, that the angel said, hey, to the Virgin Mary, he said, his name will be called Jesus. And that's what they called him, Jesus from the womb. But let me show you another prophecy of the Messiah. Isaiah 49 and look at verse number 2. Isaiah 49 and verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. He hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. You see that? So in verse 1, it says that he was called from the womb. In verse 2, he says, he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. Keep your finger there. Go to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter number 1. It should be fairly easy to find. It's the last book in the New Testament. Revelation chapter number 1. And if you're not able to keep up, you know, like I said, we're going to look at a lot of references. Maybe write them down, and that way you can have those cross-references if you study out Isaiah 49 later on your own or if you need it. Revelation chapter number 1, and look at verse number 13. Now, in Revelation 1, we have uh, the Apostle John, who's at the Isle of Patmos, and he gets a vision, and he sees the Lord Jesus Christ has appeared to him. Look at Revelation 1, and look at verse number 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks... One like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a white garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. And what he, uh, who he sees is Jesus, and we're not going to read the entire description there, but we get a description of Jesus and his glorified body. But I want you to notice what it says in verse number 16. And just so you know that it is Jesus, notice when this man who was like unto the Son of Man, begins to speak in verse 17. If you have a red letter edition Bible, you'll notice that his words are in red letters. That's because it's the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice verse 16. Notice what the Bible says. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. You see that? And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. So Isaiah 49 1 tells us that there is one coming who was called by name from the womb. Luke 2 tells us that Jesus was called by name from the womb. Verse 2 of Isaiah 49, if you can make your way back there, tells us that this one who was called from the womb has a sharp sword that comes out of his mouth. Revelation 1.16 tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ has a sharp sword that comes out of his mouth. Look at Isaiah 49 and verse number 6. Isaiah 49 and verse number 6. Notice what we are continued to be told about the coming Messiah who brings salvation. Isaiah 49, look at verse number 6. Isaiah 49, 6 says, And he said, it is, is it a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel? I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. Now I want you to notice what it says here. He says, I will give thee talking to the one who was called by name from the womb, talking to the one who has the sharp sword that proceedeth out of his mouth. And it says, I will give thee, uh, good night, I lost my place, where am I? Uh, I will give thee also for a light to the Gentiles 
that thou, I want you to make notice this, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. So notice, it doesn't say that he will bring salvation. It says that he is salvation. It says that thou mayest be my salvation. Do you see that? So he says, the one who is called from the womb, the one who has a sharp sword, he says that thou mayest be my salvation. Go back to Luke chapter 2. Did you keep your place there? Luke chapter 2, look at verse 27. Luke 2, 27. Now remember, we, we just saw Luke chapter 2, and it talked about the fact that the Messiah, that Jesus was brought into the temple after eight days he was circumcised. Now notice what happened in the temple. Luke chapter 2 and verse 27. Luke 2, 27. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. So they're bringing Jesus into the temple to do you know, what they're supposed to do according to the Levitical law. Verse 28, Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. And I want you to notice what it says. This man comes into the temple. Uh, Joseph and Mary bring Jesus into the temple uh, uh, to, to do according to the custom of the law. He takes the child from Mary basically, and notice what he says in verse 29, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, and notice what he says, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Do you see that? He didn't say, mine eyes have seen the one who brings salvation. He was looking at Jesus, the Messiah, and he says, I've seen salvation. And you've got to understand this. We, you know, we talk a lot about the plan of salvation, and I'm not against those terms. I use those terms. And we talk about going out soul winning and explaining people the plan of salvation, the, the fact that God has a plan for you to be saved, and you are a sinner and condemned to hell, but Jesus loves you, and he died on the cross for your sins, and he rose again from the grave, and if you believe on him, you can be saved. But you've got to understand this. It's, salvation is not a plan. It's a person. Salvation is in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And it's not the plan of salvation, but it's the person of salvation. In Isaiah 49, 6, we are told that thou mayest be my salvation. See, when Jesus came, he didn't bring salvation. He is salvation. And that's the Messiah. Go back to Isaiah 49. Look at verse 7. I want you to notice that this is referring to Jesus. Isaiah 49, look at verse 7. Isaiah 49 and verse 7, notice what the Bible says. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel. Notice what he says. And the Holy One. I want you to notice that uh, little phrase there. And his Holy One, to him whom men despise it, to him whom the nations abhor it, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see, and arise, princes also shall worship, because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. So I want you to notice, he's called the Holy One. And then at the end of the verse, he's called the Holy One of Israel. Go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 2. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2. Look at verse number 22. I know we're looking at a lot of passages. I'm teaching the guys how not to preach. All right. Acts 2.22. Uh, 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Notice what the Bible says. Acts 2.22. Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. The Bible says, you men of Israel, hear these words. Now notice who they're talking about. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Now, we're not going to read the entire passage. Look, look down to verse number 25. The subject is Jesus. Now, notice what it says. For David speaketh concerning him. Concerning 
Who? Jesus. We already established in verse 22. And if you read verses 23 and 24, you'll notice that the context is about Jesus. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Look at verse 27. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Whose soul in hell? That's Jesus. And by the way, there's a lot of people that attack that doctrine. Say Jesus didn't go to hell. Well, the Bible says right here that Jesus went to hell. He says, do not leave my soul in hell. But I want you to notice what he says. Neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Do you see that? Amen. Talking about Jesus. So in Isaiah 49, when it says that the Holy One, the Holy One of Israel is the one that was chosen, in Acts 2.22, we're told that Holy One was Jesus. And Isaiah 49 tells us that he was called from the womb, that he was named from the womb. Luke tells us that's Jesus. And when Isaiah 49 tells us that he is salvation, Luke tells us that's Jesus. So you got to understand, Isaiah 49 is a uh, prophecy of the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to Isaiah 49, look at verse number 9. So we saw the Messiah of salvation, but I want you to see in Isaiah 49 and verse 9, Notice the message of salvation. The message of salvation. Isaiah 49 and verse 9. Notice what the Bible says. That thou mayest say to the prisoners. Now here's what we're supposed to say when we're out soul winning. And, and this is, you know, this is, well you'll see it here in a second. Notice what it says. That thou mayest say to the prisoners. So a prisoner is someone who's held captive or someone who's not able to leave, right? Some of you have been in prison, okay? And you remember how that was? And, you know, you couldn't leave. You couldn't just walk out. But he says that thou mayest say to the prisoners... Go forth to them that are in darkness, show yourselves that they shall feed in the way and their pastors shall be in all the high places. So let me give you cross references. Go back to Luke chapter 4, if you will. Luke chapter 4. And look at verse number 18. Luke chapter 4. Now in Luke chapter 4, we are uh, jumping ahead to the ministry of Christ to where Jesus is beginning his ministry. This is the first kind of public act after his baptism and after the 40-day fast. He is going to uh, the temple. He's going to, I'm sorry, to the synagogue. And he's going to read out of the word of God. And this is kind of beginning his ministry. And notice what Jesus said, Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Or more specifically, notice what Jesus read. He's actually reading from the book of Isaiah. Notice what the Bible says. He began to read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised. Now here's what you understand. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he said, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. And he said, here's what that means. We will uh, preach, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance, to preach freedom, to preach, you know, to tell the captive and the prisoner that he can go forth to preach deliverance to the captive and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. So here's what we can understand. When we preach the gospel, yes, we are preaching the plan of salvation. Yes, we're explaining the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that salvation is by grace, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. But you've got to understand that there is an aspect of the gospel. That before you were lost in your trespasses and sin, before you were under the bondage of sin, and your old man was not able to, he was a prisoner, he was captive. But now, through the Spirit of God, you are able to be free from your sin. You don't have to, you know, be held in bondage to your sin. The gospel and salvation allows you to be able to be free. 
And that's why Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So part of the message of salvation is deliverance, deliverance from sin. You no longer have to be in bondage to sin. See, the unsaved, they can't stop sinning. They can't stop sinning even if they wanted to. They couldn't stop. But see, you and I, we are not under that bondage. We have, we have been made free through the Spirit of God. Now, we can go ahead and give in to our flesh, and we can give in to the old man, but we can walk in the Spirit. And that's the message of salvation. It's a message of deliverance, but also it's a message of walking in the light. Now, go, go back to Isaiah 49. Look at verse 9 just real quickly, and then we're going to go to Acts. Okay, so Acts is right after the book of Luke. Isaiah 49, look at verse 9. That thou mayest say to the prisoners, go forth to them that are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed in the ways and in their pastures shall be uh, in all high places. So notice what he said. He said, you tell the prisoners to go forth. So you tell the prisoner, go, you're free. You're no longer a prisoner, you're captive. And to them that are in darkness, show yourselves. Do you see that? So he says, you go to those who are in darkness, those who are, who are not out, who are not in light, who are, who are not walking, you know, in a way that can be seen. And he says, now you can say to them, show yourselves. Go to Acts 26, look at verse 18. Notice, again, the words of Christ. Acts 26. I'm just giving you a lot of cross-references. I just, I don't know, I, I could cut some of this out, but I just want you to see it uh, as we study Isaiah 49 for you to be able to have all these notes. Acts chapter 26 And look at verse number 18. Notice what the Bible says that preaching the gospel, the message of the gospel produces. Acts 26 and verse 18. Notice what it says. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light. Do you see that? So you take those who were in darkness. And in the Bible, the Bible tells us that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The idea of walking in darkness is that I'm walking in guilt and I'm walking in shame. I'm, I, I'm ashamed of the things that I've done, you know, the, the places I've been, the person I am. But you can take someone who says, you know, my life is riddled with sin. I've messed everything up. I'm ashamed. I, I, you know, I, I want to hide. I just want to live in darkness. And you can say to that person, when they get saved, go forth. You can say to them, show yourself. You can say to them, walk in the light, because what we do is we take them from darkness to light, notice, and from the power of Satan unto God. Before they were prisoners to Satan, now through the power of God they can be made free, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. You see that? It's in Christ. Okay, so go back to Isaiah 49, look at verse number 1. So we saw the Messiah of salvation. We saw the message of salvation. Let me show you the mission of salvation. So you say, we got a message. What do we do with it? We we have a mission as well. Isaiah 49, look at verse 1. Now, I just want you to notice this quickly. I won't give you any cross-references because we've preached enough about it. But I want you to notice verse 1. Notice what he says. Listen, O isles. Now, Isles is referring to islands. He's talking about going off your coast and going to different places. He says, listen, O Isles, unto me, and hearken ye people from far. He said, hearken. He said, I want you to listen, people who are from far. Skip down to verse number 6, Isaiah 49. Look at verse 6. Notice what he says. And he said, is it a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob? And to restore the preserved of Israel, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. Notice what he says. That thou mayest be my salvation. Notice, unto the ends of the earth. Do you see that? Look at verse 12. Same chapter, Isaiah 49. Look at verse 12. Behold, these shall come from far. And lo, these from the north and from the west and these from the land of Sinim. The idea is that the gospel is to go out into the entire world. He says, unto the end of the earth. The, the mission of salvation, and you've got to understand it, the reason we exist is to preach the gospel to the world. 
are, we are here to take the gospel. We are here to, to knock the doors. We are here. You say, what are we trying to do at Brady Baptist Church? We're trying to reach Natomas with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're trying to reach this area. We're trying to support missionaries and church planners to reach other areas. The goal is, you say, well, well, we have this great message, but why would we have a great message that we then don't go out and give to people? People need to hear it. People need to hear the message of salvation. And there's a mission. And the mission is unto the ends of the earth. All right? So we have the Messiah. We have the message, the mission. Now, let me show you something just real quickly because I think you need to understand this to understand the rest of the, the sermon and to understand the chapter. Look at verse number 1 again, Isaiah 49. Look at verse 1. Notice what he says. Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken ye, my people, from far. The Lord hath called me. Now, we've already established that that me is Christ, right? The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother. He hath made mention of my, that's Jesus, that's Christ, of my name. Look at verse 2. He hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. We established that's the Lord Jesus Christ. In the shadow of his hand, he hath hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me all talking about the Messiah. But then notice verse 3. And said unto me, the Messiah. Now notice what he says. Thou art my servant, O Israel. And you say, well, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about the Messiah. I thought we were talking about the, the, the Holy One. I thought we were talking about the One who is to come. And now he's saying, me, my, my, me, me, my. And then he says, Israel. You say, why does he change there? Why is he now talking to the people, the children of Israel, as opposed to the one, the Messiah? And here's what you understand, especially when you're studying prophecy, which this is what Isaiah is. Sometimes prophecy, the same prophecy, applies to different individuals. And here, the, the point that God's trying to make is that these things that apply to the Lord Jesus Christ as the Messiah also applied to the children of Israel or to God's people or to the people of the Messiah. See, Jesus was called from the womb. But did you know that you were called from the womb? Let's look at it. Jeremiah chapter 1, look at verse 4. I know we've seen these verses before, but let's look at it again. Jeremiah chapter 1, look at verse 4. Jesus was called from the womb. But so were you. Jeremiah chapter 1. And, and the example is, uh, Jeremiah is the clearest example. Let's look at it real quickly. Jeremiah chapter 1, look at verse 4. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee, talking about Jeremiah, in the belly I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. See, people like to argue. You say, well, is Isaiah chapter 50, uh, 49, is it in reference to the Messiah, or is it in reference to God's people? And I believe the answer is, it's both. You say, well, Jesus was called from the womb, but so was Jeremiah, and so were you. You were called from the womb. You were named from the womb. You don't think God knew your name? You don't think God had a plan for you? You don't think God had a will for your life from the womb? So not only was Jesus called from the womb, and we are called from the womb. Notice, remember, Jesus had the sword. He said, my, Isaiah 49, 2 says, my mouth like a sharp sword. But notice, you have a sword. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse 17. I know you know these verses, but let's look at them. Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse 17. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. Of course, Ephesians 6 is that famous passage about the armor of God and putting on the armor, fighting the spiritual warfare. But look at verse 17. He says, and take the helmet of salvation. He's telling us to take the helmet of salvation and 
The sword of the Spirit. He wants us to take the sword, which is the Word of God. See, in the same way that Christ, who is the Word, had the sword coming out of His mouth, you and I have access to that same sword, that same Word. In the same way that Jesus, as the Messiah, was called from the womb, you and I have been called from the womb. Look, look at Isaiah. Uh, uh, go, go to Acts chapter 13. Look at verse 47. And actually, I'm going to need you to go back and forth. Find Acts 13. And then go back to Isaiah 49 and look at verse number 6, okay? I want you to be able to flip back and forth so you can actually look at these passages. Because Acts 13 is a quotation, there is a quotation from Isaiah 49 and verse 6. Now, I'll I'll, I'll prove it even further. You say, what is it? Is it the Messiah or is it God's people? I'll prove it even further that it's both the Messiah and God's people. Because notice what it says, Isaiah 49 and look at verse number 6, okay? Are you in Acts 13? You guys don't talk back. Okay, Isaiah 49, look at verse 6. You're not supposed to talk back. I'm just kidding. Isaiah 49, look at verse 6. You do need to wake up, though, okay? You don't need to talk back, but wake up. Isaiah 49, verse 6. Now, notice what it says. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. Notice what he says. I want you to make note of this. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Now, we already established that's Jesus, right? Remember, he looked at him and he said that you are the salvation. But, but notice, go to Acts 13, look at verse 47. Notice what the Bible says. Now, Acts 13 and verse 47 is not about Jesus. The context is about Paul and Barnabas, the missionaries. Now, notice what it says. Acts 13, verse 47. For so hath the Lord commanded us. Now, it's Paul talking about Paul and Barnabas. Now notice what he says. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles. That's a quote from Isaiah 49, verse 6. That thou, Saul and Barnabas, shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. You see that? Say, well, I thought Jesus was salvation. Yeah, but Jesus can't get anybody saved if you don't take it to them. See, and and everything that applies to Christ, he was called from the womb, he has the sword, and he is to be salvation, all of that applies to you and I. We were called from the womb, and we have a sword, and it is our job. See, and and here's the point that he's trying to make, because Jesus would come to this earth and say, I came to seek and to save that which was lost, and our job is to also seek and save that which was lost. Because everything that applies to Christ applies to us. Now, we're not, we're not, I'm not saying you're God, or I'm not saying you're, you're the Son of God. But what we're saying is, Jesus came to be a pattern for us, so he did everything that applied to him, applied to us as well. He was called from the womb, we were called from the womb. He was given the sword, we were given the sword. He was made salvation unto the ends of the earth. And Paul said, I have set thee before uh, a light to the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And you notice in Acts 13, 47, it doesn't say that he is salvation, that he should be for salvation, okay? So there is a distinction there. So go back to Isaiah 49. The first lesson I wanted you to see is a lesson about salvation. What did we see? We saw the Messiah, we saw the message, we saw the mission, okay? Let me give you sermon number two tonight. I'm preaching three sermons, all right? Sermon number two, we see a lesson about security, Specifically, eternal security. Are you there in Isaiah 49? Look at verse 2. Isaiah 49, look at verse 2. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. Now I want you to notice this phrase. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me. Now it's talking about the Messiah, but remember it's also talking about God's people. Talking about Israel. Talking about those who belong to God. And he says, in the shadow of his hand 
hath he hid me. I want you to notice verse 16 of Isaiah 49. Notice what he says. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. So here's what he's saying. He said, I hid you in my hand. And then he said, I graven you. He said, I engraved you into the palm of my hand. Now, what is that referring to? I believe the answer is in uh, Zechariah chapter 13. If you can get to Zechariah, the last book of the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. Zechariah is right before Malachi. Okay, so if you can find the last book of the Old Testament, find the book right before it. And I want you to look at Zechariah 13. Now, some people believe that what this is referring to is that God has written, you know, the names of everyone who's saved in the palm of his hand. I'm not going to argue that. I, I'm not against that. I'm sure that's a possibility. But I think it's, it has a, a deeper meaning than that, or maybe not a deeper, but a different meaning than that. Zechariah chapter 13, and look at verse number 6. Zechariah 13 and verse 6. Notice what the Bible says. And one shall say unto him. Now, this is another prophecy in the book of Zechariah. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice what it says. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. And that's a prophecy of the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ was pierced through his hands. And he had these wounds. And even in his glorified body, after the resurrection, those wounds stayed there. And I believe that's what Isaiah 49, 16 is talking about. When he says, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, because they're saying, what they're saying is, you know, God has forsaken us. Because they're talking about the fact that the Babylonians are coming and taking their land and they're being forsaken. And they're saying, God has forsaken us. God has, you know, uh, he, he's punishing us and he's, he doesn't want to establish his covenant with us anymore. The idea is of eternal security. Does God keep his promises? Does God enter into a covenant and then back off? And here's what he's saying. He he says, you are hid in, in the shadow of his hand. He said, I engraved you in the palm of my hand. He said, so that I will not forget you. He said, I, I, I cannot forget. He said, I cannot forsake. He said, it's engraved in my hand. And you'll notice that there is this correlation between eternal security and the hand of God. Go to John chapter 10. You know the verse, but let's look at it quickly. John chapter 10 and verse number 28. John 10, 28. John 10, 28, the Bible says, And I give unto them eternal life, this is Jesus speaking, and they shall never perish. Notice, it's not that they you know, might perish someday. He says, They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my what? Hand. So when it comes to eternal security, there's this illustration that God likes to give, and it's about his palm. It's about his hand. He says, Look, I engraved you in my palm. He said, I've got these marks I'll never forget. I'll never forsake. He said, I, when, when, when I entered the covenant, he said, you are hid in the shadow of my hands. He said, no one can pluck you out of my hand. So you have an illustration about eternal security, and it has to do with the palm. Go back to Isaiah 49. Look at verse 8. Let me give you a second illustration about eternal security. I know I'm giving you a lot of info. I apologize. But um, we just got to do it, okay? Because we need to move on. We're, we're going to finish Isaiah 49, or the book of Isaiah, before this year is over, I think. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Isaiah 49, look at verse 8. Look what it says. So there's the illustration about the palm. But notice, there's also an illustration about preservation. Notice what it says. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee. And I want you to notice this. I will preserve thee. Do you see that? I will preserve thee. Keep, remember that. Go to Jude. Jude 1. Jude is the 
book right before Revelation, one chapter. So if you find Revelation right before, you got the book of Jude. And look at verse number 1, Jude 1, 1. And notice what the Bible says, Jude 1. I never know how to say that. Jude verse 1 or Jude chapter 1, verse 1. There's only one chapter. Notice what it says. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and, notice, preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Do you see that? See, salvation is being preserved. He said, in Isaiah 49, 8, he says, I will preserve thee. And then in Jude, he tells us, we are preserved in Christ. We are preserved in him. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You can find all those T books. 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus. Find 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. And look at verse number uh, 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. And look at verse number 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In verse number 23, notice what it says. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and your soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see that? So here's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to preserve you. He said, you're not going to go bad. He said, you're not going to expire. But if you remember Jude 1, it said we are preserved in Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's interesting. Salvation is in Christ. Salvation is I was put inside of Christ. When God sees me, he doesn't see me. He sees Christ because I'm in Christ. But notice, preservation is also in Christ because Jude 1.1 says we are preserved in Jesus Christ. Go back to Isaiah 49. Look at verse number uh, 8. Because remember, in Isaiah 49, it said that he was salvation. But notice what it also says in Isaiah 49, 8. It told us that he was salvation. But in Isaiah 49, 8, the Bible says this. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee. Now notice this. And give thee for a covenant of the people. Do you see that? See, not only is Jesus the salvation. He said that thou mayest be my salvation. But he also says that Jesus is the covenant. You understand that? So you will say, well, you're going to lose your salvation. The only way you can lose your salvation is if God lost Christ. Because he is the covenant. It's not that we have a covenant. It's not that we have a promise. It's that he is the covenant. He is the promise. We are preserved in Christ. That's why it's silly for people to say, I can be saved and I can lose my salvation. I can be saved and then if I do something really bad, if I stop going to church, if I quit living a good life, then God will take my salvation away. How can he take your salvation away when Jesus is salvation? And how can he take your security away when Jesus is the security? See, you're either in Christ or you're not. And once you're in the palm of his hand, he said, no man can pluck you out of my hand. And he said, and no man plucketh you out of my father's hand either. So we see the preservation illustration. We see the palm illustration for eternal security. Let me show you one third illustration in Isaiah 49. We see the parenting illustration. The parenting illustration in Isaiah 49. Look at verse 14. Isaiah 49, look at verse 14. Isaiah 49 and verse 14, the Bible says this, but Zion said, because this is what they're saying, and this is what people say, the Lord hath forsaken me. And my Lord hath forgotten me. All those Pentecostals that want to say, well, you can walk away from God. Here's what they're saying. The Lord hath forsaken me. My Lord hath forgotten me. And this is the response. Verse 15. Can a woman forget her suckling child? That she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? I mean, can one of these moms, after they have a baby and they're nursing that baby, they love that baby, can they just forget about that child? 
Okay, and here's what he's saying. He says, can, can a woman, verse 15, forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? And then here's what he says. Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Here's what he's saying. They might. He says, they might. A mom may forget her child, but I won't forget you, is what God is saying. Because the illustration is that God is our heavenly father. Go to John chapter 1. Let's just run the verses. John chapter 1, look at verse 12. John chapter 1. Verse number 12. You know the verse, but let's look at it together. John chapter 1, verse 12. John 1, 12 says, But as many as received him, to them, to who? To them that received him. Talking about Jesus. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So he gives us all these illustrations about eternal security. He says, you're in the palm of my hand. He says, I've hid you in the palm of my hand. He said, I engraved you in my hand. He said, no one can pluck you out of my hand. And people say, well, I don't know about that. He says, okay, let me give you another example. You are preserved in Jesus Christ. You cannot lose your salvation. You'd have to lose Christ in order to lose your salvation. And people say, well, I don't know about that. He says, okay, let me give you another illustration. I am your father. I am your parent. Can a mother forget her suckling child? Yea, they may forget, but I will not forget. And he says, when you got saved, I became your father. You became the sons of God. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Let me just say this while we're at it. Hebrews chapter 12. If you start from Revelation, you got Jude, uh, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter, James, and Hebrews. Uh, right before the book of James, Hebrews chapter 12. Because people like to say, you know, you preach eternal security. You preach that people can't lose their salvation. You're giving people a, a license to sin. You're telling people they can do whatever they want, and there's no consequences. And here's the thing. We never said there's no consequences. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5, the Bible says, in fact, let me go ahead and burst your bubble. When you get saved, there's more consequences. Because, see, before you were an orphan, before you had no parent, before you were just running around and no one cared. And from time to time, from time to time, you would reap what you sowed because we will all reap what we sow. Because, you know, he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to his spirit shall of his spirit reap life everlasting. And you were just sowing to the flesh before. So you may have repped what you sowed, and you might have gotten in trouble because of your own sin. But now that you're saved, are you there in Hebrews chapter 12? Look at verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. See, he says, I speak, God says, I speak to you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. Let's talk about a spanking. Every son whom he received. See, when you're saved, God says, now I'm your father. Now when you act up, I'm going to spank you. That word scourge means to whip. He says, I'm going to take my belt off and I'm going to whip you with the belt. He said, I'm going to chasten you. See, as a, as a believer, you actually get in more trouble when you sin. And if you're running around and you just say, well, nothing ever happens to me, maybe, you're not, maybe he's not your father. Because the Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So we're not saying that, you know, I, I, God is my father, so he'll never, he'll never forsake you. He'll never kick you out of the family, but you act up, and he may have to spank you, and he will have to discipline you, and we, he will have to correct you. Can you get back to Isaiah 49? Okay, so number one, we saw the lesson about salvation. What was the lesson about the salvation? We saw the Messiah. We saw the message. We saw the mission. Number two, we saw a lesson about security. What were the illustrations? We saw the illustration of the palm. We saw the illustration of preservation. We saw the illustration of parenting. Number three, let me just quickly show you, and we'll be done. Uh, I'll have, we'll just do it quickly. Uh, a lesson about service. A lesson about service. Go to Isaiah 49. Look at verse 2. Isaiah 49 and verse 2. Notice what he says. Isaiah 49 
and verse number 2. Isaiah 49, 2, notice what it says. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. Okay, so here's what he's saying. That shaft is a reference to an arrow. He says the arrow is hid in the quiver. Okay, talking about it's, it's, it's for military use, it's to, to hunt or to fight, to war. But notice, it's not just a shaft, but it's a polished shaft. The word polished means to make smooth by rubbing or friction. The idea is this, they would take a piece of wood and they would sharpen that piece of wood. And here's what they would do. They would rub it and they would polish it. They would make it smooth. They'd make sure all the cracks were gone and the grain was gone. They'd make sure that, that, that it was smooth and ready to go. Because here's the thing about an arrow. When you shoot an arrow through the air in order to make it you know fly most effectively and efficiently to hit the target it needs to be smooth so here's what god does he takes arrows and he says i want to use this arrow but see they didn't go some of you, some of you guys probably shoot arrows or whatever because you're into that sports stuff he, he didn't go to big five or wherever you buy your hunting gear and buy a bunch of a bunch of arrows right here's what he does here's what they did at isaiah's time they cut down a branch And they'd whittle that branch down to make an arrow. But here's the thing. When you work with an arrow, you're going to have some arrows that are bent. You're going to have some arrows that are cracked. You're going to have some arrows that are going to have all this material on them, all this excess on them. And they're not good. You can't use them because if you try to shoot them, they're they're so messed up that they're just going to fall. They're not going to hit the target. So here's what God does. He says, I'm going to take you. He said, you are my shaft that I'm going to use. And I have you hid in the quiver. He says, I want to use you. But before I can use you, I have to prepare you. He says, here's how I prepare you. I begin to polish you, and I begin to cause friction, and I begin to cause heat. And sometimes that polishing is a trial. Sometimes that polishing is a, is, is a storm you go through. Sometimes that polishing, Jesus would later on call it a purging. He begins to get all that muck out. He begins to get all that sap off the tree, off of you. He begins to, to make you smooth and make you usable because he wants to prepare you, and he has made me a polished Shaft. So in order to be used of God, in order to be a servant, you need to be prepared. So you got to understand, when, when you go through trials, when you're going through struggles, when you're going through hard times and you think, why, it seems like everything's just against me, realize that God is preparing to use you. He just needs to get some things off of you. Because right now there's things that are inhibiting, and, and he could shoot you, but you wouldn't go far. He could shoot you, but it wouldn't hit the mark. He could shoot you, but it'd just be a wasted arrow. It might crack. It might bend. It might, it might get destroyed when he's out. He said, I want to use you, but I want to make sure when I use you, you're polished and you're prepared and you're ready to go. So a servant needs to be prepared. Number two, look at verse three, Isaiah 49, verse three. A servant needs to have perspective. Isaiah 49, verse three. And said unto me, thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, here's what the servant said. And by the way, when you're a servant, you'll say this from time to time. I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught. And in vain yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. Now here's what he's saying. When you serve from time to time, you'll go through discouragement. I mean, have you read the Bible? Look at the men of God. Look at Moses and Elijah. Look, look, look at John the Baptist. I mean, these were men that were mightily used of God, prepared, a polished shaft, ready to be used. But they went through times of discouragement where they're just like, what is going on? I mean, John sent a disciple to Jesus to say, are you really the Messiah? Are you the one that we're waiting for? 
Elijah said, just kill me, God. Jonah said, just kill me, God. You know, Moses said, I, I, why did you do this to me, God? Why do I have to leave these people? I mean, these, these men all went through times of discouragement when they said, I have labored in vain and spent my strength for naught. And from time to time, when you are used of God, you will say, am I just wasting my time? I mean, is this even worth it? Why are we doing this? Why, why keep fighting? Why keep preaching? Why keep reading? Why keep preparing? I mean, why should we keep doing this? We'll all go through times like that. Say, so, well, how do you solve that? Notice what he says. Look at the last part of verse 4. Well, let's just read verse 4. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. And then, but then here's the perspective, and here's the perspective you have to have. Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord. Remember this morning, Nehemiah said, remember me, O God, for good. See, here's, here's what you understand. When you go through times of discouragement, you just realize God will judge me one day. He says, surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. See, on this earth, it might be hard. On this earth, it might, you might have trials. We sing that song, it will be worth it all, right? But it won't be worth it if we don't see Christ. Paul said, if Christ didn't resurrect from the grave, he said, we are of all men most miserable. But it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Because he will judge, and my work is with my God, and he will reward, and he will make it worth it. So, number one, we saw a lesson about salvation. What did we see in salvation? We saw the Messiah, we saw the message, we saw the mission. Number two, we saw a lesson about security. There was three illustrations that he gave us, the illustration of the palm, the illustration of preservation, the illustration of parenting. And number three, we saw a lesson about service. Service. Servants need preparation. You need to get polished. And servants need perspective. My work is with my God. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer.